Good evening, everyone. Friends, we our first reading uh, from the book of the prophet Jonah. I tend to side with many scripture scholars uh, that see it as a parable, an Old Testament parable, more than anything else uh, presented post-exilic uh, in the post of the exile as a warning to those who are self-righteous and smug and think they know better than God, lacking in righteousness, stubborn. The list goes on and on and on. St. Paul uh, is trying to tell us to put some things into perspective. Is most is the easiest way to understand our second reading. In our gospel, um, we find our Lord calling Simon and Andrew, and then he would call James and John. My friends, uh, in the story, it is a very intimate moment between those men and Jesus of Nazareth, and uh, it is one that should in some way be a part of every Christian's life, that intimacy. The Lord calls, and these particular men that he called, uh, they leave something behind, and then they follow. And so in this we see the call, the leaving, and the following. And uh, these dimensions of, uh, that we see presented to us in Mark's gospel uh, should be true of every disciple's life. There is the call. Uh, we see in this story Jesus walking along the shore. And I guarantee there are many people on the shore on that afternoon. Out of all of them, the Lord seemed to focus, however, on Simon and Andrew, and then eventually on James and John further down as he walked. And he beckons to them, come after me, follow me. The Lord calls them for a purpose. In truth, Jesus calls each person for a reason. Our call that comes in, uh, if you will, in our baptism. And our baptism is not insignificant, um, and, uh, but it should be very, very personal. Each person has been created for a purpose, and I think most people will uh, assent to this. They'll intellectually agree with Father on this. Every person has been created for a purpose. So each of us then uh, who are baptized are called to follow Christ for a reason. And certainly... Uh, we can put forth salvation, yeah, yeah, of course, but for much more uh, in this world. It is something that uh, nobody else can accomplish in quite the same way. I would put that forth with a husband and wife. Um, There's no way that uh, I would be able to do what he does. Well, I know I'm a priest, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I can't be the same type of friend and have the same kind of relationship. You see what I'm getting at? There's a particular uh, reason and a particular call and, and the, uh, only a way that he could accomplish what it was that God set out for her. And then we can flip that and say the same way for her to him. My friends, um, one of the things that, because I'm presenting this in a very, uh, with a very broad, sp you know, spray, um, my friends, we are not spiritual worker ants. Um, I watched a show uh, on, on a Wednesday in it about ants and how they're, uh, they all work together, but all that matters is the main group or really the queen. 
And they all work for the same purpose, and doing the same thing. And uh, my friends, uh, I, we are not like that. That is not what Christians go about doing. Because each one of us has our story. Each one of us has a journey that must be made. A call to answer that is uh, strictly their own. My friends, then we had the second aspect of leaving, leaving behind. Uh, it is presented with these fishermen. Um, two, two different things that the nets were doing and represented. To follow Christ, one has to leave behind something. Now, uh, it's very easy for me uh, to say of the bishops, priests, deacons, consecrated men and women, monks, nuns, <laughs> what we leave behind. But uh, that's much too simple. I mean, that's just like, you guys get that. Um, but everyone, everyone who's baptized, uh, there is a call upon them to leave something behind a net. Uh, and one of the things about nets is they entangle the fish. And that's how they're drawn in. So uh, if I play with this word, um, I could say then each of the baptized are to leave behind a net something that would entangle them or burden them or ensnare. My friends, when I um, think about many things of this uh, in the past several weeks, um, it is foolish of Christians to think that somehow uh, if they could just leave the world behind, all would be well. As a priest, I've heard confessions of many, many people, including monks, and consecrated women. That's locked in my heart. I cannot reveal. But what I can tell you is that it'd be foolish to think that you can leave the world and all of its cares behind. Just from the confessions of these holy men and women who live in monasteries, who seem to be out of the world, <laughs> it has seemed to seep in to their monastery. But the only ones that came, even came close were the poor Clares. I heard the confessions of the poor Clares. Those are some holy women. Some holy women. But my friends, what I'm getting at is the conflicts and the tensions and the darkness that we see in our world reflect the conflict and the tensions and the darkness that is in the human heart. So, in that sense, there is no place on earth where one can escape such tensions. It's not like um, here on this, uh, when people say, bye-bye, Father, and go to Arizona, and I'll see you when the weather gets better. I'm getting escaping from the rain and the cold. We can't do that uh, with the things that I'm talking about. Where does one go to escape tension and anger and jealousy? Where does one go to escape uh, the desire for revenge. To be a disciple of Jesus Christ is not simply to leave the world behind, but to stay in the world. And using Jesus' own words, that you will become salt and light in the world. The call on the disciple is great, requires many sacrifices, but it also calls disciples uh, to use the things of the world differently than others for the very sake of the kingdom. 
My friends, the truth of the matter is, and I've said this in different ways, before we can change the world around us, we need to change the world that is inside of us. I firmly believe this, particularly when it comes to government. Government can enact all kinds of laws, but until the human heart changes, very little will change. So my friends, we ask ourselves, what are we willing to leave behind for Christ? And I'm not talking about your home and your boat and all that. <laughs> That's for the monks and the, and the sisters and the nuns, <laughs> for the priest. <laughs> what I'm getting at for, for all the lay folks is, can you leave behind horrible attitudes and actions Are you, as baptized Christians, ready to abandon malicious gossiping? Deceptions of all kinds, greed of all levels, self-righteous attitudes, unhealthy anger and resentments and an unforgiving spirit that would entangle you leaving you no different from an unbeliever. These are the most difficult things to leave behind because so many are wrapped up in them. But when one does do this, it changes so much. The whole world changes for that person. I bring this up because I know currently the world's in just kind of a nutty place with everything going on, and people feel the impacts of the external on the internal. And I hear so much, I don't have any peace, I don't have it, I'm scared, I, have... I get it. But we must change what is on the inside. It is like the example given in the first reading from the book of Jonah. We are told in uh, if you, the book of Jonah is only four pages. That's why I agree with many scholars to say it is really a parable of sorts. Um, but in that parable, the Ninevites repented. And when they repented, um, they were still living in the same geographical spot when it happened. But their whole world was different. They were still in Nineveh. And everything that was in Nineveh was going on, but something in them changed. And they began to impact and influence the thing that was outside of them. They were changed. They were transformed from on the inside. And this would lead me into the other dimension uh, that we see in Mark's gospel in this reading. The following. Remember, we have the call leaving behind of something, and now the following. So what does it mean to follow the Lord? It means to take the Lord's ways and his teachings and make them primary in your life, in the way you think, in the way you act, and how you respond. It means standing up for things that this world would not agree with you on. It means standing up for the sacredness of all life, all life, from its very beginning in the womb of a woman, 
to its natural end. You already know where I'm going with this one. The way we treat in the beginning and how we treat our seniors in the end requires sacredness and holiness because all the ones that are in the middle, our young ones, are being influenced by what we do in the beginning of life and how we treat the end of it. The disciples of Jesus must be builders of bridges. We already have enough of humanity that tears things apart. Christ followers are to build bridges among people who easily slip into divisions and factions and cliques. It means speaking up about the truth, about how this world understands money and power and prestige. And those things have the capacity to trick humans. It means guarding the dignity and the sacredness of human sexuality in a world that exploits it. It means guarding the holiness of the sacrament of matrimony in a world that so easily dismisses commitment and fidelity. I can't tell you how much, as a Roman Catholic priest, I hear, what a waste for you, never to be married. Why would you make such a commitment? And then I look at husbands and wives who have to make the same commitment and I expect they hear the same thing. Eh, do what you want. Fidelity, commitment. Eh. It means guarding the importance of the spiritual life in a world that puts its primary, absolute primary, material possessions, elevating them to little gods on their own. The void of morality in our societies are there because of these things. Because we've decided we don't need God. We don't need his ways. We don't need his morality. We have science. We have technology. We have power over life and death. What a cruel, cruel mistake. Most of what depraved actions were given in the 20th century against humanity was because of these mentalities. One only needs to look back at Nazism and communism to see where humanity's wisdom is said to be superior to that of God. To follow our Lord means more than just being able to quote Him or to visit places where His holy feet walked. We reflect on the, the scriptures of the day and perhaps even Father Mark's words. How powerful they would change our spirituality. 
My friends, through baptism, Jesus has put a call and a mission, a personal mission on each one of you. It requires sacrifices. Each disciple will have to sacrifice. It requires that we leave behind the nets, things and attitudes that burden one, that will entangle one, that will compromise that person. And then the mission. It means that we follow Jesus not only by remembering and preserving his message, but taking his message, his truth, his gospel, to everyone we encounter. The call of the disciple is personal. And it means that he has called each one of us for a reason larger than ourselves, for something greater. You would be mistaken if you think that that is not so. To think that it is not so means that you are nothing more than an insignificant piece of dust in the universe. That is where we would ultimately go. And ultimately, the true atheist is the one who believes that. Even most people don't understand what true atheism is. Even the one who claims to be an atheist usually doesn't understand what it means. Because ultimately, the one who holds that as their truth means that the human person is insignificant in the grander scheme of things. No better than a piece of atom that's floating around the moon. No different, no better. Jesus had something different to say about that when he became like us in all things. You are significant. You are primary in this universe because of him who made it. Amen?